Combustible, the MAFSI podcast, is produced by the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference, an all-volunteer, always nonprofit group of firefighters training other firefighters. We invite you to visit our website at www.maffc.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We must acknowledge the following sponsors without whom MAFSI couldn't exist. Scott Safety, Motorola, Delta Airlines, Georgia Fire and Rescue Supply, Blackman Mooring, 10-8 Fire Equipment, MES, Columbia Southern University, and Tempest Technology. Lastly, if you would like to make a tax-deductible donation and support our mission of building better firefighters, please find us on our GoFundMe page. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the participants' own and do not reflect the views of any organization the participant may be affiliated with, including but not limited to the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference and the Metro Atlanta Fire Officers Association. Jump off, Bill. This yeah, is a jump need, off. We point. need to just start. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to go with podcast one for MAPSI, which is the Metro Atlanta Firefighters Conference. Uh, this is an idea that we've started um, hoping to uh, generate a little bit more content for our website and uh, let you get a little bit more insight into uh, some of our members and how we think and uh, what we think is going on in the fire service and things like that. Uh, today we have Shane Dobson who is, uh, I'll let him introduce himself, he's got 24 years experience uh, in the fire service, and we also have uh, Douglas Mike Hatcher, which we're just going to call Hatch, um, who also has 24 years, uh, both out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia. So, Shane, introduce yourself. Um, I wasn't exactly prepared that that's what we were going to do, actually. It's okay, I was going to roll out of mine after yours. Whatever you do, I was going to do something similar. I'm glad you went first. I was hoping to do the same same thing, but that's okay. Um, Copying is okay. Yeah. Uh, like Bill said, I'm named Shane, and we're trying to, I want us to be, I think we should try to be as informal as possible in this, so it's going to be, it's a little bit difficult to tell you guys because you know me, but uh, 24 years in the fire service, uh, had original uh, four years with a smaller department in the metro area, in the north metro area, and then moved um, down the east side of Atlanta, uh, been down there for about 20 years now, so um, uh, currently assistant chief with that department, and uh, hey, babe, <laughs> my wife just walked in. <laughs> no, probably not. Okay. But uh, it's okay. Uh, married, got three kids, and we're here doing this at my house. Got to see what happens. <laughs> this was the first spot. I love your studio, by the way. Oh, what you want to say? Actually, we've For those put a lot of time into see, it. Uh, we're in Shane's kitchen. Um, Mapsy. For anybody that doesn't know, is all uh, volunteer, nonprofit. Uh, we basically do everything on the cheap, so we're not in a studio. We're uh, recording all of this on basically iPhones. Somebody's going to say, "Yep, we can tell." Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that's part of our charm. We're putting uh, any money that we get from AFSI ends up going back into training firefighters. So this isn't somewhere that we're putting money. Um, putting lots of effort, but not a lot of money. Hatch. Uh, my name is Douglas Hatcher. Uh, my friends call me by my middle name, but we'll just go ahead and make it Hatch, make things a lot simpler. Uh, now we have dogs in here. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I also have 24 years of uh, experience. All with the same department, though. Um, I do work part-time for a, another department for like the last 10 years. Same here. Uh, <laughs> and I've moved up through a firefighter, uh, you know, driver, sergeant, uh, lieutenant, captain, to battalion chief. Um, 
that's where I'm at currently. Uh, nobody in my family was uh, in the fire service prior to me doing this. It was just something I, I kind of got into um, shortly after getting out of high school. So you went straight from high school to fire? Uh, a few years thinking I was going to kind of have like a secret of my success type of story of, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to work and they're going to realize I was such a smart kid awesome that I was going to do really, really well. And then they say, you know, I was going to be running the company and that didn't really work out. So I started searching around for some career opportunities. We had a, uh, a friend of the family who had mentioned right when I graduated high school about the fire department. I thought it was a little bit more militaristic than I wanted to get into. And uh, so I didn't really do it. And then when I was about 22, I went back to him. I was like, hey, how about that fire department thing? He actually was a captain on the on the department I worked for at the time. And he made a couple calls, and I put in applications and got in. And he retired while I was in recruit school. Wow. I didn't realize that, that that's how that went down. Yeah, I actually thought that would be a, a good thing. It's how did you get into the fire service? Yeah, because yeah. mine was a little bit of different um, avenue. I, I came out of high school and I was uh, land surveying, actually. And I kind of thought that I was going to be a civil engineer. I was actually in school for that. And um, so I did about just shy of a year of college and then realized that maybe this is not the direction that I wanted to go in. But um, you went to college for civil engineering? Well, I just did my first year basically so just gen just ed stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just went to the local school. I was, you know, it was Kennesaw State back then. Uh, they're kind of big time now, you know, Kennesaw State University. So, um, but yeah, uh, I had an uncle that was in the fire service. He's still in the fire service. He's a captain here up in uh, Cherokee County. So uh, he was probably very, actually not probably, he was very instrumental in me kind of moving over in that direction because I'd kind of, you know, we'd visit him occasionally at the fire station and, you know, that kind of stuff as I was a kid. And uh, But it wasn't until... Really, it was Shannon, for whatever reason, Shannon's my wife, that kind of pushed me towards the EMT thing. I don't even know, remember how it came up, and I don't even know that she, I think she, even now she says, I didn't remember doing that. But I got introduced to EMT school, basically. And so I quit school and went to Chattahoochee Tech, and that was in 1992. I started, I went to the EMT program, it was the EMTI program. And it was in that program that I realized that man, this, this is it. Like, I, Why? I don't know. For whatever reason, it just kind of connected with me. It, it, I, I was enjoying that uh, emergency medicine kind of thought, you know, it was probably bigger than what it, it really wasn't as big as I may have thought it was at the time. You know, I thought, oh man, this is kind of a big deal kind of deal. But really, I, I don't know. I think I was just probably getting into the first bit of my... Um, I don't want to call it an adrenaline junkie, but it was the first time that I thought, man, this is pretty exciting. Like, I like this kind of right. little bit out there, this crazy work kind of thing. So once that started to connect for me, then it went on. What's see, and I see you more as the firefighter, so I'm surprised that the medical side is what drew you to this. Well, and I should and, and, actually. And now should, the people that really respect you are going to get you a whole other line. Well, that's okay. And that's okay. <laughs> because here, here's, your, uh, here's, the, here's how the EMT thing went. I guess part, partly during that same time, I was looking at fire department. And I knew because up here, the way it was, you weren't getting on a department unless you were an EMT. Right. They'll send you to fire school, but if you're not at least an EMT, you're, you're not coming. It's you're not coming on board. It's not happening. So that was to get into that door, you know. But 
it was also the first time that I realized, man, I'm, I was a horrible student. I'm telling you, my first year, I was a horrible high school student. I was a horrible first-year student of college. EMT was school was the first time that I was getting A's. And it was th- I think it was because I realized I, I was plugged into this. It, it was, was something, something I enjoyed. Interested in. I was interested in it, right. And uh, I think that was my my true jumping off part of man i i'm i can do this like i'm i can do this well and i, I don't you know Pat, you can chime in uh but you know my experience with emt school was also the same thing where i i ended up um putting forth way way more effort than i ever did in college or in high school but it was also the first time that i had that i realized that what I was learning had an actual practical application. Instead of learning the transitive property of equality, you know, or learning uh, to read Middle English, you know, the Fairy Queen or whatever in, in whatever Middle English literature I, class. I don't even know what you're saying. Yeah, right yeah well, uh, for the listeners, for, please don't go look those up. This is Bill Voorhees. Yes, yes. Stay, stay this, true to the fire department. This Let was, those go. And I'm not saying that that education wasn't... <laughs> Uh, valuable. There's well, value your parents to it. are going to be pissed. <laughs> They've already been fully disappointed. Uh, no, um, but uh, that was the first point where I realized that I was learning something that was actually going to be put to use directly. I'm, I'm impressed that you processed that like that because I did not. I didn't go. Oh yeah, this is going to be. I'm doing this, so this effect. I was just thinking, man, this is going to be some cool stuff. I'm going to get to see some stuff. I'm going to get to do some stuff. What do you so, But you always process a little different. Well, <laughs> mine, was, mine was different. Uh, I'd, I'd never done anything with fire service before. I'd never been in a fire station before I got into recruit school. Uh, so, you know, it was completely, you know, foreign to me. I kind of understood it, you know, when they were telling you that you're going to be in, you know, uh, uh, fire academy for three months. I'm like, it's ladders, hose, and water. How much can there be? I mean, I really kind of was like, it's going to take that long, really? Uh, and, How long and, can it take? Right, and academically, I didn't see it as super challenging. Uh, you know, I, I got through it right. pretty, pretty easily. Uh, they sent us to EMT school, got through that pretty easily, you know, scored rather well. Uh, and I really got into the fire service thinking it was going to be a stepping stone into doing something else uh, later on. I, I kind of saw it as me underplaying my potential to do it. And I hate to say it, but it took me several years, probably up until starting to become an officer, to realize, no, this actually fits your niche, your personality, and you have the ability to do leadership things and things that you really do like right. within this. I, I was thinking that I would get into this for a little while and then find something else that I would, it would be uh, uh, not a travesty, but a, a downside if I retired from the fire department. I think a lot of, I hear a lot of people talk about that. I didn't really get into this to be as my career. I hear them say, I'm just going to, you know, try it well, out and see I, where it goes. Either the fire service finds you or you find the fire service. And it sounds hatch like you, the fire I, service kind of found you. Right. I used to call it a career by default. By default, right. you know, I kind of ran out of other options. This was the best one on the table at the time, so I went with it. It just turned out it really suits my personality. I like things that I love it that it's uh, it's different every day. You, you go to different calls, you, you know, you don't do things the same way, so it's a lot of variety. Uh, you know, if you are a self motivated uh, hard charger, you get rewarded by you know the fire's going well, things going well. Uh, your peers respect well, and, you, right? Right. So there's a lot of things, benefits of it that I, I really enjoy for my personality. And just and and I've known Hatch for a while now. And just so anybody listening, uh, you said you went from high school pretty much into 
the fire service, but you've also had other jobs outside the fire service. So when you talk about um, variety and not doing the same thing every day, um, you do have experience in jobs like that, right? So there's a, a little bit of a... Yeah, you know, it was more, it wasn't anything academic or anything like that. It was more blue collar, you know, right. whether it be delivering pizzas or uh, I, I worked for a printing company at one point and I applied the big decals that are on the sides of trucks and things like that, which that had some variety to it and stuff. And I made really good money, but I realized to make the good money, I had to work all the time. Right. And so I wanted downtime. I wanted to have a life. I, I, I was a kid. So I really loved the schedule of a firefighter, you know. <laughs> One you day wanted downtime, so you, you work 24, 48, and then work a and more second time right. Good plan. Every day you go to work is Friday, so, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it works out pretty good. I, I, remember, I remember the very the first days day. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I first started, I remember going to work and loving it the first day in the firehouse after getting uh, graduated, coming back, telling my wife, you know, wow, I love this. This is great. And thinking, what am I going to do with two whole days off? Now, right. two days aren't even close yeah, enough. No. I, I need way no. more than that. I, that does that does bring a smile to my face when I hear you say that because I, I do remember when I got hired the first time up here and uh, I had been volunteering for that group for a little bit and um, so then when I got hired I remember I was in the woods doing land surveying I think I've probably told you this yeah. story before I was land surveying and I just could not believe that they were getting ready to pay me to do that job <laughs> I couldn't believe it I, I remember sitting in the woods thinking these people are crazy. <laughs> like, I've been doing it for nothing. Like, right. and now you're going to pay me to do yeah, it? Yeah, so I, people used to ask me all the time, did I volunteer? And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to do this job for nothing. And yeah. I used to laugh about that. But now I do things for the fire service for nothing. Right. Because I, I, I like the the whole commitment to it, just the giving back, you know, that whole portion of it. But I was really just immature getting into it and really didn't even think of it like that. All right. So then being immature, new to the fire service, Kind of stumbling into it. Let's turn Guilty. the turn the clock back. Maybe twenty four sure. years as it happens. Turn the clock back, and your uh, your rookie Shane no, Dobson I, firefighter. Hatch has to go first on this one because I went first on the introduction. All right, all right. I get to jump off of his rookie Hatch. Rookie Hatch in the station. God, I wish I could see what that looked like. And any old pictures? Actually, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> I wish, I wish, I was going to say, I wish people could see him right now. Yeah, the hair was still awesome, but it was strands darker. of steel. <laughs> no, it was just no. Now, right now, yeah, it's it was, strands of steel. It was like strands of coal back then because it was all nice and dark. <laughs> but this is my Superman over here. 24, 24 years. You know, you turn back time. You as a, a battalion chief today in a large metropolitan department. Um, what do you tell? Rookie Hatch. You know, it's probably going to have a lot of the same things I tell rookies now. You know, to be successful, one of the first things they have to do is find that senior person, that person that has it dialed in in the station. And it's not always the officer. It, it could be the sergeant. It could be the senior firefighter, whatever. And then get in their hip pocket. Learn what they learn. If they're out checking out the truck, I don't care what you had been doing, whatever, you finish your housework and then you go help them check out the truck. Or if they're doing their housework, you get in there and you ask them questions. When you're in the fire and you can't see things, how do you find out where it is? You know, whatever it is that you want to know, you find out from them. You have to be that student that, that asks a lot of questions. I was really lucky when I came out of the fire service or out of the uh, training, I went to the busiest station in our department. And at the time, it was the busiest station in the state. So we were in the road all the time. And I had, uh, I'd say, lackluster 
officers, uh, especially the captain. The, uh, the lieutenant was a very, very smart guy, uh, but he was in an acting role at the time, so he was kind of just figuring himself out too a little bit. Uh, so I was learning from the, the drivers and the firefighters. You know, when we'd go to fires and stuff, it wasn't a formalized, here's a checkoff sheet of what right. you're doing. It was more of, I'd go and ask them, you know, you know, how did you know where to go when we got in there? I couldn't see anything, blah, blah, blah. He said, I hold my breath, and, you know, that way the regulator's not going, and I can hear where the fire is. I go where I can hear it. You know, so I'm learning the tips from these guys. I right. think we kind of do a poor job of that now. I know for my department, we are transitioning so fast. So many people are coming on young, not staying long. We're here to constant transition. We don't have guys that have mastered and stayed in their positions as firefighters, you know, 20 years. We don't have drivers that stay in their position for 20 years. So it's harder for these individuals to go to these guys and ask them these questions. And they get intimidated to ask the officers or to ask the chiefs who may have been there that long. Right. So I would say probably my best advice to a brand new rookie was find a mentor. I never did that. I never had that, that one person that I said, that's the person I'm role modeling after. I had like a little snippet from this guy, maybe a little snippet from that guy. But I generally had officers probably in the first five to ten years that were nice people. But I wouldn't say they were great firefighters. They weren't great officers. So I was having to get it from other places and kind of use my role right. models from other things. And uh, But I think that there are plenty of role models out there, uh, you know, across departments, uh, you know, within your own department that, that you can probably sink into and really get to know uh, what they know and understand what they understand a little bit better. When you, when, you were, when you were growing up as that baby firefighter, did, did, you, all, did you have that drive? You know, that, that young firefighter, did well, you have um, that work ethic or did you see that develop or did someone pull you to the side and say, listen, man, that ain't, that ain't what we do on whatever no, day? Or did, was it just... Is it just in you? Is it just that's just in me? In that, that's always how I've been, no matter what I was doing. I was a bus boy at Ruby Tuesdays when I was a, a kid, like sixteen years old, and it was like my drive to the faster I go, the more tables I can get cleaned, the more people that can sit, the more money the servers make, the more they'll tip me out. So it was about results. It was about same thing. If I was delivering pizzas, the more harder I work, the faster I go, the more pizzas I deliver, the more money I make. It was about production, production, production. And so it's the same way in the fire service. It was, you know, when I got there, it was like, I want to be the best. I want to be in front. Are those taught attributes? I think it's just, I think it's how you're raised or how you're made. Well, you know? let me ask you this. You, your advice, you said, is the same as you'd give any rookie firefighter today to find that mentor. As a battalion chief, how many stations do you supervise? Five. Okay, and how many people do you have assigned that you're? 40. Okay, so you got 40 people, five stations, how much, as a battalion chief, with that new person coming in, is it? Do you feel is it your responsibility to take that rookie and put them in a situation where they're going to find that mentor, or how much of it is like what basically sounded like happened to you? It was up to you to find that mentor on your own. You said you had pretty crappy officers when you first started. I'll let you use that, that term. All right, <laughs> I'll try I to be nice. I'm not owning that. <laughs> Lackluster. I think lackluster is the word you used. I'll put the shine on it. Um, but, you know, how much as a, a battalion chief do you feel responsible for putting that rookie firefighter in a position to find that mentor? And how much is it that firefighter's 
for lack of a better term, personal responsibility to find that and to right. light that flame. Ooh, it's it's going to go in a different direction. Right. So don't forget okay. about okay. it. You got to ask him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to. This, like this is going to go for like ten right. or fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have this question a lot, and, and it it weighs heavy on me a lot. And I look, and I'm going to call it at bats. So let's say you have a rookie firefighter, and he goes to a very slow station. And you have, or let's say you have two of them, and one of them you can tell this guy's motor's running. He he wants to go to a busy station, and right. you have another guy that is in the fire service and doesn't show a lot of, you know, uh, he, he's not really being aggressive about learning or whatever. So do you? Who do you put that interest into giving them more at bats to? Right. Do you put the kid that? It has, you know, that's being a little reserved. You put him in a busy station to where he's just, just by sheer force of the calls going out, he's going to gain experience. Or do you put the guy who's going to be the, the guy that's going to be successful no matter what you do, he, he's going to go out and find it. And I, I talked to crews about this. I've asked a lot of people. And a lot of the crews are like, well, just for being simple, we want the guy who's aggressive. You know, it's going to be easier for us. But does that strengthen your battalion? Does that strengthen the personnel? And I, I would love to say that, you know, you would have all people that whenever they get to a job, they want to be good at it. They, they have that drive. That if I'm not trying to be good at it, I need to move on to something else. The reality is that's, that's not the way not it right. is, unfortunately. Right. So my thing is, is to put the person at, with, you know, to give them more at-bats that are the less interested because they're not going to do it on their own. And they're either, in my opinion, going to kind of sink or swim. There may be that thing that catches them and it drives them along, and now they're you know they're learning how to drive, they're learning how to pump, and, and they're moving forward. Or they may realize you know well, this just really isn't for me. This is way too busy. I need to move on and do something else. Either way, it's kind of strengthening for the department. Either you're getting rid of kind of dead weight by them leaving the department, or you're taking somebody and kind of forcing them into to be uh, a part of this crew. I'm going to have to move along. I can't just sit here with the brakes on and exist where you can in a slower station you know you can just exist and you know not really do anything so the other guy although it's a travesty that you know he's going to have to kind of do it on his own he has the drive to be successful no matter who's around and that's that kind of more of my personality was hopefully yeah i think you could get into a situation and and this is something you and i've been kind of talking to dealing with you know right. in, kind of in your situation up there where we got new people that need to be exposed we feel like they're kind of go-getters but if you were to take if you were to take that route, you know, and you put it towards the one that maybe you were hoping to bring up, and you kind of I don't want to say forget that other guy, that motivated guy, are we flirting with unmotivating that individual? And, you know, and I, I agree, and that's I'm not saying mine's the right one. I, you know, it's, it's something I've, I've toiled with as what to do, and then for, even for my department, I'm kind of constrained of, of who right. I can move and what I can do. And I wish it was a little more free. I mean, they say I have the ability to do it within my battalion, but I've done it before and had it, you know, reversed right. on me. And, you know, I, I took a kid from a very slow station, put him in a busier station. He got motivated. He got, you know, passed up to drive and whatever. And then I had to turn around and move him back to that slow station. And he has been stagnant ever since. So is that really better for the department or, or not? But I had another motivated kid at that same station who now works for Grady. He doesn't work for the department anymore. <laughs> so you got motivated to, to, to leave. leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and, I mean, so it's true what you're saying. I think part of our problem is, and, and I, I surely don't want to take a shot at uh, members, uh, and I don't want to say older members, but more senior members, you know, the problem is, is when you have that lack of mentorship. When you, ha when you don't have those individuals that will be that mentor. So you end up with a bunch of 
young firefighters that only have a handful of people to go after. Right. To to grab that pool's, motivation pool's from. Big enough. Yeah, but I mean, I think just like he said earlier, I think it's the responsibility falls on that that firefighter. You know that you you can't feed somebody that's not hungry. And 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 that's actually a really good point. And I was thinking about that. And we talked about it when we were talking about if I was going to talk to me. So I don't know if we want to un, no, no, unrabbit hole let's this talk thing. That, yeah. But, you know, for me and what motivated me, I, I, it wasn't necessarily an individual that did that. I was, it was a fortunate situation for me because I was with a group of motivated people. And the key to that group was as we didn't have a tremendous amount of call volume. So, you know, we were, there just wasn't nothing going on call volume wise. So we had to train. I mean, we had to, and it would be, there would be lots of informal training, but we did a lot of formal training, whether it would go down to the state or back then, you know, we could do uh, acquired structure burns right. regular. It was yeah. near the. That's a point too I want to bring up. As far as for me, I never went to the state academy until I was an officer. Well, and, and that's, I can't, it's actually kind of odd and funny that you say that because at my smaller department, we lived at the state. We stayed, we took everything well, that we that, could. But when I went to my current department, which is a large metropolitan department, it was like you, you didn't do that. You right. just you well, did think, your training in-house. I think that has a lot to do as a former training officer, the, the current department that you're at, and I'm at the same department that Shane's at, current department that you're at has facilities. I'm assuming that the smaller department right. that you went to the state constantly didn't have the, the facilities. But the, the missing component of that, it's not about facilities. It's about the networking that you get out of it. Just like well, that's we, definitely the me and Shane work at a part-time department that's full of all the metro departments and the networking and experience and information we get to share Unbelievable. is unparalleled. Sure. It's it's just I think that's a benefit. Right, but I think you can get that, you know, even going to the, the state academy. Yes, they Absolutely. may not show you something as a large department that's earth-shattering, but they could show, like, we don't draft. Right. So a small department could show me drafting in the one time and in a 24-year career that I may have to do it, there may be something I can learn or just the connection to be able to call a smaller department, someone in a smaller department that I met at the class and say, how could I solve this problem? You right. know, it, it's that kind of thing that you get out of that. But would you, Shane, agree that maybe the, the majority of the reason for y'all going to the state was that they had facilities and training that you couldn't get in that smaller department? And for the listener, I'm talking with my hands a lot. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I think we did that because I don't know if it was kind of the expectation because there was quite a few of us that caught a lot of grief about that. You know, we about always training, always right. going down there. I'm not can't use some of the language that was what we were called. You know, um, but you know, it was pretty derogatory stuff that you were actually going to do that. So right. it's not. We, I, I think we went because it was just fun to go do. Okay. And we were doing it as a group. So it was it was never just a couple of us that were going. You know, it might be four or five of us going from up here. Right. It was almost a team building camaraderie yeah, all, type of thing. Always. It, yeah. it's, and, and that's probably, looking back on it, and now that you say that, it's, it's probably what I really liked the most was that team that camaraderie that group that belonging this guy counting on you you counting on him that was probably 
much bigger than I realized. And that harkens back to a conversation we had over lunch, you know, is that people want to believe that they belong to a team, to, to something. And if you don't feel like that, that, that is a huge missing hole in their life. I think, and is what drives them on to feeling unfulfilled. That's a huge missing hole, specifically to some departments, like what we like were saying. Double negative missing hole. Sorry, <laughs> that's an oxymoron, isn't it? It's kind of the same thing, though. All right, hold on. I want to get back because <laughs> you have, you Shane, you have kind of dodged the original question. You piggybacked on Hatch's answer. What but was the original question? The original question was <laughs> going was back twenty-four years. What would I tell? What would you tell Shane Dobson? And I know, knew this question was going to be a pain. Well, you've known about it for a while now. Yeah, so. you had like 10 minutes to come up with an answer while I was talking. <laughs> well, I was actually listening to you. <laughs> oh, my mistake. That's kind of what I try to do is listen. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, God, Bill, I knew this was going to be a difficult question, and, and I don't want to... You know, like what I said in the car, I'm not going to say again. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm struggling with this one. You, just a I'll little say bit. what you said in the car. You it's said really bad. I don't mean it like this. You said that you really <laughs> wouldn't tell you anything. I like what what I experienced. I like how I did. I like what I what happened for me. It was good for me to get with a small department. I'm glad that I'm made the decision to go to a bigger department because I knew that I wanted to get in the mix. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to be a fireman. But there's nothing you would do differently? I don't think you're saying that you don't have regrets or that you wouldn't do things differently. I think what you're trying to say is that you value what you did do. That, that, uh, that arc, that, that, you know, that the bumps in the road that you had getting to where you are, you know, that you wouldn't want to shortchange Young Shane Dobson from any of those, those I, hits. I just I don't know that I would do anything a whole lot different, you know. And again, I thought about this, you know. I even thought well, about. Could you quantitate what you did to the uh, rookie? Like, if you were trying to tell your rookie now, not you, but could you quantify what he, they needed to do? I think what I would try to do, and and it just happened for me, so I'm going to try to articulate the thought of what happened to me. I ended up, by chance, with a group of motivated people that I felt obligated to. So whatever level they were working at, I wanted to be at that same work level. And now I work with these guys still to this day. They work at our department. Right. So they were, they were very influential in, in that. Um, I would say try. You need to try to find somebody again like that mentor. That is that is good, but it may be more of a group of people, yeah. more more than just one. And it could be your peers. It probably, in some ways, should be your peers. Um, but there may be those other senior firefighters that are going to be in that. I, I think it's important that you train. Period. I think if you could see, if you watch firefighters training, you need to go gravitate towards them because they are constantly, constantly in a state of growth and education, and I think that's important. So, I just happened to be in that group when I started. So, if I was looking back on it, if I was going to tell a new firefighter, I would, I would make sure that I associated with people that were constantly training. I just think that's important. Would you agree? I had somebody tell me years ago, uh, 
in high school. Uh, you know, I was in the marching band, and our band director used to say, we will never perform this better than our best practice. If you do, mm. laundry's done. done. <laughs> if you do happen to perform better, then you basically got lucky, and you don't get to take credit for that. Do you think that's true with, with Firefight? That you're basically only going to perform on scene as well as you've trained before, and anything above that, you got lucky. Lucky, yeah. So I will agree with that. And I and so anything that you prepared for, that's what you prepared for. So you were you were able to work yourself, whatever that level is, to that level of preparation. Anything that happened above that, I truly believe luck played a factor in that, which is fine. I like luck. Luck's not a bad thing. I. But I, well, now let me let me let me finish saying though, because I, I think I might know where you're going. Start tearing my <laughs> thought apart. Is the next instant that the luck did come into play, it needs to be thought about in the, the next training evolution. And we saw this or we saw right. that. And if we deal with those slideshow type things, which I don't want to get into all that kind of stuff because I know some people are like, oh. But um, I think it plays into it, but I think you need to prepare for the next time off of that. I don't sure. know if that's making any sense. And, no, I think what you're trying to say is that recognize that it was luck adjust your training to uh, compensate for whatever it was that you lucked out in and train for that now and recognize the next time that it's you're going to be lucky. But you can't, and I, I think we've talked about this before, you can't plan to get lucky. No, and I don't think you should. I think you should plan for the worst and hope for the best and all that kind of stuff. But looking back over the years, and I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on this and yours, um, and it just dawned on me, you know, I was thinking about all the fires that we've gone to over the years and how many times I said, boy, we got lucky with that one. Just about every one. Right. In some aspect. You? Yeah, I, I agree. There would be some point that, you know, that you did something and it just worked out, you know. Right. That, that maybe the uh, strategy wasn't right, the hose line, you know, wasn't the right selection or whatever it was, but... It just so happened that things worked, you know, well, or you didn't have the leadership or whatever it was, you know. And, I, I, you know, maybe it's not luck. Maybe it's aggressiveness. You know, I used to tell people, you know, about the whole burn from the unburned side. You know, I know studies now are saying, you know, we don't push fire or whatever. I used to joke, if we're aggressive enough, I'm not going to give it time to be pushed anywhere. You know, you're <laughs> rapidly putting it out. I mean, how, where's it going to go? Where's it going to go? Exactly. So, but it, it's, it's just that type of thing. I, and so to kind of piggyback what you're saying is, Maybe not so much luck as it was just being straight out aggressive enough. You know, I'm going to outwork it. I'm going to outwork the situation. Right. You know, and but you're right to to be able to duplicate that. That you can't use that as a strategy. Luck is not a strategy to to be able to duplicate it. You need to to uh, you know do a critique of whatever the situation was, what worked, what didn't work, what file what you had back. to do, file it back, and right. develop training to be able to replicate it so that it it's added into it. And I think we probably do a little bit better job of that now. I mean, it seems like we analyze every little minute fascist of, of everything that happens, you know, from our, our turnout times to everything else. But I think we lose sight of the, the actual fire ground, what happens, you know, what, what's going on. It, it seems to be it's becoming a lost art in a lot of ways. We get bogged down into the, the, the bean counting of it instead of the actual art of putting it out and getting things done the way we should. Okay. 
Um, I kind of don't want to go where that wanted to lead me, but... Where was it going? Because I'm kind of curious. A discussion that I was having with somebody else recently was with regard to uh, somebody had offered, um, had seen a video of uh, basically one of the Atlanta departments fighting fire, and it commented to me that the video quality was not very good, and they were offering their services to come and take pictures and, you know, basically give us better video, better pictures to do better uh, content. And it kind of turned into a, a discussion on letting cameras, letting videos onto the fire scene and how that, from a, an administrative higher-up standpoint, looks as a, it's seen as a liability uh, and obviously we all can recognize that, but segueing that into what is happening in the police departments now with right. body cameras. They're making sure to film it. Uh, That's a good point. But it opens them up to the scrutiny of did you behave the According way you're right. supposed to? Um, and, you know, I see that getting, just thinking logically how things could progress, to look at fires and to say, you know, in the heat of the moment, you made this decision, and that does, it, tactically well, that was not the right decision. You, know, you might have had a reason for it, uh, but there is so much, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen on the police side. I've never been a police officer, so I don't know. But on the fire side, there is so much of what we do on scene in a compressed amount of time with absolutely limited in, uh, available information about what we're doing or what we, the, the situation we've been handed that you end up having to make those quick decisions. There are plenty of fires. If we had, we could devote multiple discussions to the fires that I wish I had to do over again. Big 10-4 with that one. Because of mistakes that were made on scene uh, by yours truly. But, um, I, you know, it just... I think it's the it that that's an unquantifiable thing, and I don't know that we ever get to where. I would hate to be under that kind of scrutiny. I agree as a as a blanket statement that opens us up to a tremendous amount of scrutiny. Period, and but on the other side of that, it also opens up an opportunity to really delve into some of those things that we're seeing on the fire ground that maybe we could, you know, recapture and look at. From Absolutely. a training there, standpoint, there, there's definitely benefit, benefit, but... Well, yeah, because I, I think what we run into a lot of times when we're conducting critiques or something like that, if we call into question a decision that's made, now you're, you're, you're putting an officer or a crew on the spot, and they feel like they're under the gun, embarrassed right. in front of their peers, and a lot of them don't have the, the character or, or, or the you know, internal motivation to be better to admit, yeah, I messed that up. I see it maybe once in, in, you know, every 10 times that I do a critique that uh, somebody will be very forthright and say, I was wrong. I messed that up. Right. I won't let you guys down again. I celebrate those individuals because they are being putting right. it all out there that they made a mistake. And I try to tell them I make a mistake. I'm a battalion chief and every fire I go on, I make a mistake. I don't care if it's I do something small like forgetting to go to property conservation or some mode or I completely get tunnel vision into one aspect of it and totally disregard that I need to have ladders all the way around this building, right. blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, I make mistakes. Nobody, none of us are above that. 
And I want to have that openness where they can admit it because we all learn and we all progress. Well, do from you that. set the tent, do you set the stage for that? Yes, but I also critique? think it has a lot to do departmental wise too. If departments are not looking at those as opportunities to learn and to grow, but opportunities uh, to hold people accountable and punish them, then there's a lot less people. Well, willing then to that's come not forward. a critique then. Because we but, should be, that should be a growth if, moment. Even, even if I'm not the one doing the punishment, they catch wind of it or it happens on another right. situation, it will still have them be reserved about what they're going to say. And I think that ends up being a problem. And, and, and so we, we don't learn. I've had that happen numerous times where people aren't forthright about the situation or what they did or what they saw or whatever. And I, I think well, we I feel to like a certain extent, memory, you can have five people experience the exact same thing. And then give you five different. And it sounds like a totally story. different event. Yeah. Each right. One. You know, but you know they have the whole saying, you know, everybody goes home. You know, except the homeowner when we burn them down. Right. So you know, we need to learn what we did wrong there. Right. I feel like from our department, and this is just me. You can disagree if you want. I feel like we don't do quite enough critiques. I wish we did a little more, but I do see us doing a lot of on-scene informal critiques that are very informative. I agree with we that. We probably should do a little more formal critiques, but my point is is I feel like as a department that we do a pretty good job as not that is not a time of disciplinary measures. That is not what we're there to do. And I unless I'm missing the 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 general thoughts of the you know, the masses, I don't think they think like that. I don't think they think, man, I'm not saying nothing because I'm going to be popped right here. In our department, and Hatch, you can chime in on this as well, but I don't think in our department they think that, but I also question whether they see those critiques as truly a value right. or whether we're checking a box, we had a major fire, they're going to bring us all together, we're going to sit around the room, they're going to talk about what, what happened, and, and I think we've all been in those critiques where we go over the fire and no one says anything about anything that went wrong. Right. And I'm left thinking, were y'all on the same fire that right. I was on? Because from where I was standing, you know, we were making some pretty decent mistakes. But even as a company officer, I did the critiques and I would do it with just my crew, you know, and I may pull them to the side, you know, after we were pretty much done, whatever, with the hose is still on the ground. And it may have been another crew that laid the hose and there may have been a mistake. I'm not going to embarrass that crew, but I will take my crew aside Look at the situation. What did you see that went right? What did you see that went wrong here? Could they have pulled a little further forward? Could they have chosen, you know, not the skid load, but the cross load, whatever the situation? Not trying to embarrass them. I'm trying to educate my guys. Right. But how many officers have the confidence, have the knowledge to be able to do that nowadays? Like I said, for us, we're churning people through into officer oh. positions that are ill-prepared for it. Well, I think... And it's about, the, you know, the departments. I know my department, I believe yours too, you know, they're kind of getting away from you being able to stay in the same rank and go incrementally get paid more. The only way to make more money is to get promoted. So people who had no intentions of being officers are now officers because they just want to make more money. They want to provide for their family. Well, that is, that, that's I, probably I, definitely I, a component. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I think that's probably definitely a motivating factor. Um, well, yeah, I'm... I'm I'd I've have heard to that, admit, so. well, I'd have to admit the first time I took a captain's test, that was that was my motivation. Mine too. Uh, so, I, you know, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Uh, all right, mm. we have uh, been at this a little bit. The laundry's done. Sorry. We're going we're gonna to move. <laughs> it's a good discussion. I want to move. We've got a couple of prepared questions, mm. no, and uh, we'll see where this is going to go. Shane's kind of dreading this. They're so we'll, dumb questions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with Shane. Yeah, 
Yeah. Please go easy. Uh, what's your favorite book? And this none of none of these questions are. Uh, I want to make sure everybody understands. None of these questions are uh, have to be answered within the confines of the fire department or the fire service. Okay, because I was going to ask where. No. no. So, what's your favorite book? Um. You want to say green eggs and ham? Go ahead. I don't want to say that. Okay. Um, I I actually do. You know, I have a, I have favorite books that that actually don't have necessarily anything to do with the fire service, but I don't I don't think that's I really want to. And I shouldn't say it's totally nothing to do with it because it's it not. does. Go ahead and say it because I'm gonna hit you with another question. Um, I'm probably going to say, and I'm I'm just gonna throw this out there because I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it. I. I really, really liked To Kill a Mockingbird. Why? Because it was the it was the first time that I thought seriously thought about what the book was trying to tell you, and the book was trying to teach you tolerance. It's trying to teach you um, really what you know we people skills. You know we right. talk about these people skills, and now you know we coin these you know emotional intelligence and. You, your, your EQ, you know, short for emotional intelligence, which is important. But when it all boils down to it, it's people skills and it's how you deal with individuals and how you get along with individuals. That book was really the first time that I saw in what I would consider a formal matter that this is what the book's trying to tell you. It's trying to teach you right. tolerance and that your way is not necessarily the only way or the right way. Right. How old were you when you first read it? First time I read it, I was young in high school. The time that it impacted to me the most, I was probably because I've read it three, four times now. I was probably thirty-ish, yeah, early thirties. Okay. You came back to it, yeah. Okay. Hatch, favorite book? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've heard you say that before. Why? Yeah, uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's about human nature, and it talks about you know what's you know what's the most important word to everybody. You know how people think, and it helps you understand you know people's motivation and, and how to speak to them and about you know remembering their name and you know if you can remember. And it's not as big a deal nowadays with Facebook, but like remembering somebody's birthday and sending them like a little note just to show that that, that can make a huge impact to an individual, and then. Just by listening and asking questions to somebody, they think you're a good speaker, but all you were doing was listening. Right. You know, it, it, it's things like that that really are probably simple things, but, you, you know, just having it written down and told to you that this is a way to do things and um, to, to carry yourself and that you can not only influence people, but make new connections and move forward. And I think it just works in every aspect. I mean, the, the number one, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say... Uh, product that we have or whatever is, is the people. So if we understand how to, to interact with them better, right. it works It works better for everybody. Well, I think it's absolutely. I think that's a correct statement. Yeah. I mean, that is the key. But anybody that interacts with me would probably say, you know, like how to burn bridges and blow up, you know, shoot the hostage <laughs> or something like that would be my favorite How to book. be knee deep in uh, grenade pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, that, you know, that, that's just come from some learned experience and whatever, that, you know, of how to be aggressive on a couple of things. But I really think it's how to win friends and influence people. Okay. Uh, Hatch, what motivates you? Uh, you know, it, it, it's such a weird thing. I, I look back at like history of uh, like people, great, great people, like uh, George Washington or founding fathers, anything like that, and you're like, it, it, it baffles me. 
they're they are a man. I was a man. You know, they got up in the mornings and you know put their pants on, and I do the same thing. What what separates us? We're both human beings. We're adult males. They took challenges in their lives and they chose hard paths and and did things in ethical ways, and that motivates me. You know, not that I want to be put in those positions, but to make those right choices and to look at those type of things. That really, you know, those stories and those individuals that really gets me pumped up to try to maybe measure myself up to that type of situation. And we're all faced throughout our lives, you know, with really challenging situations. And I think it's come way too easy to take the easy path, you know, the path that's going to, you know, be the least least confrontational. But I don't think we always learn as much out of that. Right. I'll agree. What motivates you, Shane? Um, I I think for me this one's going to be a couple of, um, it's kind of a couple of different areas for me. And, I may steal this from you because I'm pretty sure this was you and I talking about this, but I uh, I feel this 100%. And I think ultimately what motivates me, even though sometimes I might be somewhat ashamed about it, is that fear of failure. Like, I just don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to well, fall short. I don't want to... Feel, feel, feel uh, fear of failure, I don't know, is exactly what you're trying to get across. You fear, I'm over a, here, Bill. Is it a fear? <laughs> How can you tell me what I'm trying to get across? <laughs> is it a fear of disappointment? I think probably somebody that you look up to, or of you personally. You a fear of failure in my where I would put a fear of failure is a fear of disappointing yourself. Or are you? No, I think it's myself. It's. Like, uh, you know, if something happened and I didn't do something exactly the way, you know, I, I knew better than that. You know, so I guess at some point there is a core of disappointing yourself, but I don't want to look bad either. And that kind of brings me into my other aspect because I believe that you need to lead by example. I think that's very important. And so, you know, what kind of keeps me... Um, you know, I don't want to say on the straight and narrow because I'm definitely not on the straight and narrow, Um I just I don't want to set a bad example. I don't want people going, well, hell, he did it, right? You know, well, that's the integrity. And 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 by no means am I perfect. I had screw it up every single day on that. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just I don't want to fail. And I and I know you don't, you want to dig deeper and say it's more than that, but it's really no, it's wanna... fear of failure. I don't want to fail. And now sometimes I. That's a that's a hindrance for me because I might not put myself out there where I should because it's so that the right. fear gets too debilitating, you know. And maybe I don't put myself in doing trying new things or because of that. And sure. that, so it's got to be careful, you know. I got to put myself in check sometimes on that. So, um, but yeah, ultimately that would probably be it. Okay. What and it's my thoughts. That it is your thoughts. <laughs> What's your favorite guilty pleasure? Dang, I thought y'all weren't going to do this one. No, this is the good one. This is the meat. No. Shane's wife has chimed in from the other way. My wife, Shannon, says uh, ice cream. We didn't even know she was in there. I have two, but I I don't want to talk about it. I think one is more. If anybody has looked up Shane on the Massey website, looked up his profile before, there's a picture (laughs) of him eating ice cream. That's not my guilty pleasure, though. It's just what she just happened to catch me at at that particular time. What's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure, oh, is um, pizza. 
I wasn't going to go there because I actually have another stupid one, but uh, it's pizza. And the reason, because I think it fits the, the criteria because I love pizza, but it is so like what I should not be doing. I can't right. get back into that, you know? And so I eat it and it's so freaking awesome. And then as soon as it's over, I immediately regret it. Immediately. Okay. So that, there it is. That's stupid. That's guilty pleasure. I love pizza too, but I don't feel bad. About I know. <laughs> I just don't eat when I don't want to. Uh, mine would be wasting time playing video games. And it's really just a thing to do to uh, get I your mind off. I thought of, you was a gamer. Yeah, I wouldn't say a gamer. It's just, it's I just. I think he's the one that uh, they all, they all he's get got, on yeah, the, he's all the right. headsets. And he's there's other guys uh, that are like, oh, golly, Hatch is on again. Here it comes. What's our guy? What's our guy on the YouTube video? Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, Leroy. A, yeah are you that guy? Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. No, uh, oh, damn. I, I, I don't like to play online or anything like that. But it, it, it's a, it's kind of, and the reason I feel guilty is it just waste time you know you can get so absorbed in trying to accomplish something or whatever and maybe it's, it has a little bit of accomplishment in that but it's fun right. and entertaining uh but you're not thinking about all the problems that you got or whatever you know but the problems are still there four or five hours later when you turn right. the thing off but you know it's just it's just a, a fun thing to do to, to waste a little bit of time you know all right can we make that the last one <laughs> <laughs> i want to ask bill one <laughs> All right. Uh, what profession? This is gonna. We're gonna start with Hatch on this one. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? And I guess this is kind of like the uh, the the office space uh, question that uh, you know. If you could do any, if money wasn't an issue, what could you do? I always said uh, be a lawyer. Really? Yeah, that I, I would have liked to have been a lawyer. I can see that. And, uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> early, early on, you know, I, di- I didn't go to college uh, when I graduated, and I spent a lot of time, and my whole point about not going to college was I don't take trips and not know where I'm going. And so why would I get involved in college and not know where I wanted to be? And, right. And so it, it probably took me until I was about 30 before I realized that, you know, that that's probably something that I would have been really interested in and a good way to go. And you know, I was already doing the fire service and, and had a career, so I'd say lawyer. The schooling is a little arduous and probably wouldn't be my favorite, but I think I enjoy the the whole uh, argument part of it in, in proving your Weird. point and, and, and getting to you know getting to the end and winning. You know, uh, and there's that part, yeah, yeah, and the money. You know, if you're good at it, but it's like anything else. You know, there's a ton of lawyers, but there's not a lot of good lawyers, right? Yeah, so right. That's a I never thought about that before like that. You're right. All right, Shane. Well, what, uh, what profession? There's a dog. What? What? <laughs> what profession, Shane? Uh, other than the one that you're currently in as a firefighter, would you like to attempt? I would have been probably hands down. I would have, looking back on it, been a doctor. Wow! Wow! A doctor and a lawyer. I really would have. I'm impressed. Um, only because I think it's super challenging, and that you would like have the medical stuff so well. And, right. <laughs> I'm glad you guys aren't asking me these questions because mine just pales in comparison to these two. I don't know. So I just I, I think there's something about that, you know. Doctor and a lawyer. Yeah. All right. Can I ask you one? <laughs> Does that the rules work like that? No. I want this to stop. No. Well, we're, we're we're to our last. I'm moderating question. this. Stop me. Stop it. Yeah. We're to our last question. Uh, at your retirement, 
They're bringing you up in front of everybody. Somebody's giving a speech. How do you like? How do you want them to introduce you? What do you want them to say? Um, and again, we talked about this question. I wasn't one hundred percent on board with the way it was That's framed, it. but um, you know what? For me, and and this is some people may not like this, but this is me. I want it when it's all said and done and I'm done with the fire service and I, and I step out, I really, really want people just to look back and say, man, that was a good dude. He was fun to be around. He cared. He cared about people. He cared about the job. That's it. I don't, for me, that would be, that would be awesome. All right. Hatch, same question. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, being a solid guy, a solid firefighter, uh, you know, we, we used to joke about that there's two classes of firefighters. There's good firefighters and there's good guys. The good firefighters can fight fire. The good guys are just people you like being around. Right. They're not so good at firefighting, you know. So I, I would like for my peers to have seen me as a good firefighter and, and you know, uh, uh, ethical individual, ethical right. leader, person that, you know, took on challenges, spoke their mind, you know, did the things that were supposed to be done, took on, you know, doing this, the hard things. Uh, and the respect, have the respect at the end is really what would be important. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to have it to where you have to have it, can't have it in a Waffle House because you have to have four more people at your retirement to be able to sit at the booth. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all been to those retirement parties. Well, they're having to match it up with somebody that they actually like. <laughs> where you, where you are ordered to right. take your truck to the station. This is a double retirement. We didn't like the one guy, yeah. but we want people at his retirement party. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we've come to the end of it. Is there anything any either of you want to add before we kind of wrap it up? Mm-hmm. For our inaugural podcast number one, I um, what was that? What did you just say? I said it's podcast number one, inaugural podcast number one. I am glad we did it. I think, um, like we said, just starting. We've been talking about it for a long time, and and we literally what we talked about this a week and a half ago when we said, you know yeah. what, here's some dates. We picked a date and we jumped and I think that was important for us and I hope we are able to continue that well, we I hope this is actually recording I, I do too <laughs> uh, if, if you were to see us we're sitting around Shane's kitchen table uh, we're speaking into PVC pipe with iPhones in it that's not no. true this is from high tech yeah. stuff going on here um, but uh, yeah we're hoping that all this is still recording but uh no, we hope that this is going to be something that we continue. Uh, the moderator will change. Uh, the topics are always going to change. I think it's going to be fun to have different uh, different people. We don't know who the next one's going to be. Um, we hope that it'll be uh, something that continues, and we hope that everybody's interested in it. But uh, I probably should have started with our, a little disclaimer. I forgot to do it, so we'll do it now. Um, obviously, the disclaimer at the end. Opinions uh, and commentary that we've offered. Uh, are our own views. They don't represent the department that uh, that we, the departments or organizations that we're affiliated with uh, in any way. Uh, they're our own uh, own views, and we haven't edited any of this down. That's the other the other thing that I want to make sure gets across is that um, this really isn't uh, something that we've been avoiding saying things other than my one curse word that I let slip. Uh, Just one. I thought that was all there was, was the I, one. I think I dropped a couple of them. Oh, well. Nothing big. Uh, yeah, nothing you haven't heard on a fire scene before. Actually, but, uh, it's pretty tame. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, that's the end. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. 
Sí, sí.